You are Locked on Wild, your Minnesota Wild every day. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hello, I am your host, Joe Bully of ZoneCoverage.com, and with me is Tony Abbott of The Athletic Minnesota. Tony, today we are diving deep into that Santa sack of mailbag questions that uh, our listeners sent in. So we should probably get right into it because they sent a bunch in. So uh, what do you got right off the bat? All right, we got more from our buddy Tom Hohen. He says, Minnesota Wild slipping further and further behind a playoff spot. And we did talk about this yesterday. And if you want Mm -hmm. to go back and listen to Monday's episode, get real bummed out. (laughs) Which players should be deadline deal targets to be moved? You could potentially see guys like uh, Ryan Hartman or Marcus Plano being dealt. I think they've had relatively solid years and they're cheap depth players that I think any team could pick up, especially that Marcus Foligno. Ultimately, I think that anybody is kind of on the board when it comes to either Greenway, Eric Sinek, or uh, or um, Ryan Donato. Uh, I don't foresee any of the real big name players, including like Kevin Fiala as well as as a as somebody that would be in play uh, at the deadline, unless there's like a deal out there that you just can't ignore. So I'm thinking about you know who could Minnesota get some value for. And in terms of the veterans, I, I think a lot of people, their gut instinct would be to, you know, move Zach Parise, Matt Zuccarello, Miku Koivu, Eric Stahl, Ryan Suter. And I understand that impulse. I, I don't think that that's going to happen for, for, one, money reasons in a lot of them. And two, mm-hmm. just uh, a lot of these players kind of hold the hammer in, in this situation, getting to decide whether they want to get traded or not. So I don't think that uh, that those big name veterans are going to be the ones who are going to move. So we're looking at like veteran players who a have some trade value and b you could theoretically move for a good price. And those players to me, Jason Zucker, Marcus Foligno, Jonas Brodeen, and if you want to sell a little low, Matt Dumba. Like, those are the guys that I see in terms of veterans as being, like, real actual trade chips. And those players are also players that could potentially get a return in the process, correct? Yeah, I would think so. I went a little bit back and forth with our friends at Evolving Wild who, you know, they, they said, like, oh, okay, well, imagine thinking that Jason Zucker is the guy who needs to be traded and make room for Kirill Kaprizov. And I agree on that. But I also am looking at the roster, and like I said, you know, you have these guys, and only so many of them have trade value, and Jason Zucker is one of the ones that do. And he pointed out that he he's, he didn't think that Zucker's trade value was as valuable as he is. And I can, I can see that, mm-hmm. but I think that it's a little better than it was last year. When you know they were they were or Paul Fenton was trying to give them away for for literally more bodies, <laughs> right? Yeah, it certainly helps when your GM is now they're actively trying to give them or give them away for a bag of pucks. Like when your GM like actively like hates your game, like that's that's going to depress your trade value a little bit. So like I I think that he would get a little bit more back in a trade than Michael Froelich in a first round pick, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that if you can you know, swing a move for some futures that you're excited about, even if you're not getting as much value back on it, if you're deciding that your time isn't now and it's later, which I think is where Minnesota should be, then, I mean, if you have to move Jason Zucker for 
80 cents on the dollar to facilitate, you know, uh, accumulating draft capital. I think that's something you think about. It's worth considering. Man, I don't know, you can disagree. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I think that I think it's easy to point at Zucker as being the guy potentially on the move because he is uh, so valuable, I think, or at least could potentially carry more value. I just I have a hard time seeing like this the impact that Jason Zucker currently has on this team. Like, and I I said this most recently on our our most most recent episode of 10K, where you know when he's in the lineup on that top line, that top line actually performs like a legit elite top line in the NHL. And and when he's not on this team, this team is really struggling to find that that sort of star power that that line that can really carry them. So. I and think I agree that you at least have to like, yeah, no, and I, I, I do think that there, you have to at least consider like what it's also doing to the team for the future as well. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think my point to that is just what does that matter if you're not going to be in the playoffs this year and you're probably not going to be in the playoffs for the next two years? I would also not rule out, you know, making a call. And moving someone out of the uh, the Ryan Donato, Luke Cunning, Jordan Greenway group. Yeah, we discussed that. It's tough to know what those players are right now because they've all had their moments, but they've also also have been kind of lacking as well in, in any sort of consistency to really know what you got from them. But I think that can work to your advantage a little bit too because you're the one who has these guys and knows these guys the best and everyone else is like, oh, okay, you could sell teams on the potential mm-hmm. of those players and like, okay, well, if he had a change of scenery, maybe he could break out. And, you know, like I'm not saying like you have to do one of these guys mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that, you know, they're done and they're cooked and they're not going to be anything. But I am saying that if I could get some futures for it, if I could if I could get a piece that I really liked, if I could mm-hmm. buy low on a prospect that, you know, maybe I see something in but has fallen out of favor with this team, I'd be interested. And not to mention if you're the GM and you make a decision on one of those three, potentially it could have a psychological thing on that player too, who's probably putting pressure on himself to, to produce. And uh, by having one of those players probably moved along, maybe it's like, well, you know what? The, the GM wanted me. He's, he's uh, I'm the guy that this team chose and uh, I'm going to, I'm I'm set in my spot and maybe I can relax a little bit and just kind of play my game rather than always being under the pressure. All right. That was a great first question right off the top. We're going to take a short pause. And then on the other side, we'll continue to take your questions. You're listening to locked on wild. And welcome back to Locked on Wild. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is Tony. We are pouring through the many questions that you sent in. Uh, We do this, I think, on a weekly basis with your mailbag. Uh, We'll also be sending out our uh, listener suggestion uh, for this week's episode that we do do on Fridays. So let's continue with our listener questions, Tony. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, here's Here's a pair of questions that I think work out together a little bit thematically. From uh, from Tom, what is the rationale for Jerry Mayhew languishing in Iowa? What's a player got to do to get a real shot on a team not holding a playoff spot? And then <laughs> Wild Fan for Life asks, why not give Sam Annis a shot? I, I agree, honestly. I, I mean, I, I, those two players in Iowa have been 
doing nothing but producing all of all the, the only thing that uh, Jerry Mayhew knows how to do is just produce at the AHL level. Uh, and he came in, scored in his first game in the NHL and for the most part, looked the part. Now, is he going to rise to the stud level? Maybe not, but I, he could be a serviceable player. Uh, and Sam Annis to not even get a chance, I think is uh, been a travesty as well. That That's- said, what is the rationale? Reasons? I that's that's as good as our guess. I can understand the rationale to a point, right? You have a Minnesota Wild team where your fourth liners are all like very credible NHL players, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even Victor Rask is a credible NHL player, and then of course you have Marcus Foligno and Ryan Hartman who have been productive this year. Uh, Ryan Donato, Jordan Greenway, like top prospects in your organization are having a hard time cracking the top nine. I I understand that the wild are deep, right? But I, I, I still don't think that's a reason to not give them a shot, and especially in the case of uh, Sam Annis, who I think the, the, I think the real thing is that he's a guy who wouldn't make the top six. And I think Boudreaux might just think he's maybe too small or doesn't have the jam to play hockey the way that he wants to play hockey in the NHL. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, on a team that's lacking in scoring, right, you have Mm -hmm. two players who are running wild all over the AHL who are still, like, relatively young. They're, like, 26 or 27 right now. Yep. And and that's, like, old for a prospect, but that's certainly not old for an NHL player. And it's not so old that, like, they have – proven that they cannot play in the NHL, especially when you consider the fact that they have not had a chance. Sam Annis has 41 points in 39 AHL games, and Jerry Mayhew has 24 goals, 39 points in 33 AHL games. I did the math on this, Joe. Even after missing six games, if he's still in Iowa by the end of the season and he doesn't miss any more games, he is on track to finish with over 50 goals and 80 points in the AHL. It's crazy. Every time I get my update on the Iowa Wild app, and it's Jerry Mayhew again scoring. Like, all that guy does is score goals. It's it's honestly insane what he's doing in the AHL. And, I mean, it was awesome that he got his chance earlier this season, but I mean, he kind of knew that it was just going to be kind of a cup of coffee. And um, I think it's weird that you've had these two players running rough shot over the AHL and there's just like not even like a smidge of a chance that they could even be shown to be productive players in the NHL for you outside of like preseason. And even I don't remember even seeing much in preseason that they got much of a chance, which is, which is just crazy when you consider what you got and, and maybe they surprise, maybe they can say, Hey, you know what? I can play at the NHL level. I know that you don't have room, but maybe I can fetch something for you and perhaps another trade of a, of another prospect or, or something. At least got to figure out what you know what you got in those players. And I don't know, like, if Minnesota has some injuries or, or has, you know, a couple trades at the deadline that open up some spots, you know, why not play Jerry Mayhew and Sam Annis on the same line? And if you're concerned, if you're concerned about you know, them not having the toughness or jam or whatever, put Marcus Foligno alongside of them. He's shown that he can play yeah. with skilled players this year. And then you have Jerry Mayhew and Sam Annis, who are this really top-notch AHL line. And yeah, maybe that's not a line that is going to be 
you know, a, a, a second line for you, but it could be a nice little productive fourth line, which, you know, Minnesota's had that before. And it's been really nice when, you know, they've been able to put like Justin Fontaine and Eric Hall on the same <laughs> line Correct. and then watch them zip around the ice for 12 minutes a night. That's fun. That's good. I want to see that. And especially on a team that has no power play skills whatsoever. Those guys <laughs> work on a power play in an, in the AHL. And maybe, yeah, maybe it doesn't translate, but you don't know because you haven't tried. You're right. It is fun. And I think people like that story too, of a guy that gets their shot or a couple of guys that finally get their shot. They gravitate towards that. And in a season where it might be lost anyways, like what the hell? Let's see what they got. Sell the story. Maybe you get people showing up just to see the story. Oh, I probably mean, not, it, but like no, probably not. But at the same time, like I think fans get behind the 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 players that uh, perhaps have shown that they've deserved a shot, never really getting it, and they finally get a chance to really prove it. I think fans like that kind of thing. We got a question about uh, expectations for Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, we did answer a question like that in last week's mailbag if you came there. But I think it brings up an interesting point in that uh, is the hype for Kaprizov coming over greater than Granlin? Hmm. Granlin was a first round pick. He had the stamp in Finland made of his, of his famous lacrosse goal. I don't know, man. I think that there was more hype. I mean, certainly I think people are have a lot riding on there, but I also see a lot more people being contrarians on whether or not they think Kaprasov is the real deal. And maybe it's just because I'm seeing more people in my timeline or comment sections and stuff, but uh, I've, I see more skeptics, uh, skeptics this time around than perhaps when Granny was uh, was ready to come over. Yeah, if you remember, before they went out and got Parise and Suter, Mikhail Granlin was like the center of Minnesota's marketing Mm-hmm. Uh, to to their fans, they were like, "This guy is the next big thing. He's gonna be a big deal. You just you just wait." And and you know what? For the most part, Granlin had that talent where he was kind of the next big deal. He just needed some time to adjust, and he ended up having to be moved out of the center position, but um, for him to really take off. But uh, I think that there's a lot riding on Kaprasov this time. At the same time. I feel like that there's still a lot more skepticism surrounding him. I don't know if it's the Russian factor. I don't know if it's if it's because he was a fifth round pick. I don't, or if people just aren't expecting that to translate over. I, but I, I still keep my hep, my hopes up and my uh, my expectations uh, mostly tempered for year one, and then uh, rising from there. Seeing some of the more recent exploits from Connor McDavid, when will he legally change his name to Cheat Code? <laughs> uh, it is unfair, isn't it? I think if he's going to legally change his name to anything, it's going to be get me the hell out of Edmonton, <laughs> McDavid. Uh, you know, if they went Jersey Shore on the bed, he could also just call himself the franchise. <laughs> uh, it's pretty unfair what he's able to do. I mean, the guy can skate up to 27 miles per hour. He's also a player that's got immense skill can uh, move the puck back and forth and faster than seemingly anybody. And he's got he's a got hands shot. like he's skating at zero miles an hour. It's, it's insanity. Remember that shootout goal that Patrick Kane had where he just kind of came in real slow and just Deke Dubnik out of his jock. Yeah. Yeah. 
McDavid basically McDavid does that. Yeah, and he does it at like 27 miles per hour. And it is just it is just incredible what he's doing this season. I think he's maybe slowed down like the tiniest of bits in production. Earlier in the season, he was on pace for like a 150-point season. Now he's merely only on pace for 123 points. Oh, man, that slippage is just crazy. Still just absolutely incredible, mind-boggling on a team that is him, Leon Dreisaitl, and a whole (laughs) lot of hot garbage. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's amazing that the Edmonton Oilers can have two players like that and still be basically just on the inside of the, the playoff picture and could easily just fall out too. It's even more amazing how the NHL media in Edmonton can say anything bad about it. Oh, that, that's that's amazing too. I mean, I get that like the NHL media and the Canadian markets are probably uh, hyper-analytic, you know, and, and, and hypercritical. Maybe not hyper analytic, but definitely hypercritical. At the same time, it's um, I, when you see a player of his ilk up and down the ice every single night. I don't know how you can say anything bad. I mean, 123 points clip is something amazing. Oh, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense. Well, no one in Edmonton plays defense. They haven't for over a decade. Their goalies don't play defense. and he produces so much offensively that even if he's a phil kessel-esque black hole which i don't know if i believe that he's that bad but even if he is like he's still way out he's light years ahead of everyone else and it's just absolutely insane that anybody could have any bad Thing to say about Connor McDavid, especially after he signed eight years to play in that market, that garbage market with that garbage team. Mm-hmm. Every day, every day, people in Edmonton and even the media who should be objective, but even the media should be lining up and being like, Thank you for giving me something to cover on this bad team and kneel at his feet and kiss his skates. <laughs> uh, cheat code is pretty apt, though, I think, for, for a name because it's. It's absolute insanity what he can do. All right, we'll go and get a break so Tony can get a glass of water after screaming at the uh, the top of the hills there about McDavid and how freaking good he is. Uh, so we'll go ahead and take that break, and right on the other side, we'll continue with your questions. This is Locked on Wild. And we're back on Locked on Wild here. We're going through your questions, your mailbag. appreciate everyone that sent their questions in. Uh, I know it's kind of, uh, you know, one of those crutches that uh, podcasts like to lean on, but they, it really does give us a chance to don't take them behind the curtain like that. (laughs) They don't need to know. We're not lazy. We want your input. I don't know if it's lazy. I think it's great to get the pulse of what the fans are thinking as well. So we're getting uh, the pulse of what you want here on locked on wild. (laughs) You're wild every day in your questions. (laughs) Don't touch that dial. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, let's get right back into the questions. All right, fine, Joe. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> oh, no, Marcus Foligno. <laughs> All right, we're going, we're going back to Tom. Thank you for sending in questions, Tom. 
How is it possible the state of hockey cannot find a single consistent color man to do FSN broadcasts? So I saw this question earlier, and I think that, like, look, the Wild had a consistent color man with Mike Greenlay. And I know there's a few people, including Tom on Twitter, that absolutely were hypercritical of Mike Greenlay. And certainly Mike Greenlay, I don't think, is your A-plus color man, but uh, they did do that for a while. Uh, this year, the Wild are, you know, and FSN are are trying to change it up. I think they liked the rotation that they had with the Twins, with mixing in like a with Latroy Hawkins and and Burt Blylevin and Glenn Perkins. I think was even on there. Um, Justin Morneau kind of rotating through for different road trips and things like that. And I think fans really liked that too. I think FSN got a lot of positivity from it when they got uh, some. Uh, some more recent former players kind of mixed in there. Um, I think they're trying that with the wild with getting West walls rotated and their Ryan Carter rotated. Uh, They're still using uh, McCall. um, They're still using Mike Greenlee. And I don't think, yeah, right. (laughs) I think, uh, I think that, and they've also used uh, Lou Nanny who I think came in was pretty silky smooth as well. Um, I think they're trying to go for that effect with a, a rotating, um, FSN color man, because I think that um, they got such great response with what they did with the twins. Now I would like to see, um, you know, Gigi Marvin in the booth or uh, perhaps even like, um, like a uh, Chrissy Wendell again in the booth and, and be featured on there, not just because they're, you know, in between the benches or something like doing like the sideline thing, like Kevin Gorg, like they're actually a part of, uh, you know, doing the, the main uh, analysis. And I think that'd be great too, to add to that thing or add to that, uh, to add to that lineup. So to answer your question, I don't think it's FSN not finding somebody. I think that they're trying something. I, I think that that's good to get a bunch of different voices. I think over an 82 game season, I think being with one person, like no matter how, good they are right no matter how much you like them that's just one perspective and i think being able to get in you know a uh, hockey player from the old days of the wild and west walls a mm-hmm. uh, hockey player who knows a lot of the locker room really well in ryan carter i think that those are really good perspectives and i agree with you joe like i think that it's good because like even if some even if person x isn't for you right you know they are probably that for someone and the more people that you have in that booth, you know, the more people are going to click with somebody in that booth. Next question. More cappers of Vinny Vegas. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hi, ben. <laughs> uh, says, do you think Kaprizov can transform this team into something that's worth a darn? Hmm, I think that Kaprizov will be exciting, but I do think like any good solid team in the NHL, there needs to be more. So can Kaprasov do it alone? Probably not, but I do think that he'll be something exciting to watch. And yeah, and somebody who's like worth watching, right? Because like if you have a star, you know, even when the wild weren't good with Gabrick, you know, you still had Gabrick who was worth the price of admission. So I don't know if they'll I don't know if they'll transform that team into like an instant contender. In fact they probably he probably won't. But I think that you'll care about seeing like the next big thing come through. 
Like, it's like the Wolves, right? Like, Carl Anthony Towns didn't transform the Wolves into, like, a contender. <laughs> but you still go to the Wolves to see Carl Anthony Towns because he's really darn good. And he's only here for a limited time. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's that's maybe that's maybe not right. You might be digging a, a hole with our Wolves fans out there. I'm sorry, Locked on Wolves. <laughs> Next question. Dakota asks, at what point does Leopold and Garen take a look at the history of failure for Minnesota men's pros teams and just completely rebuild for a legit cup contending team? We need franchise-altering superstar prospects. Really, it's been 20 years since we last drafted one. Kirill Kaprizov is still a question mark. At what point do they look at, at the history of failure? I think it's they just got to look at their own history of failure, really. I mean, and Garen really wasn't a part of that, but... I think if you're looking for a rebuild anytime soon, I think that's more difficult. And I know this, this question gets asked to Michael Russo on the freaking daily. And he's always, I think he's gotten to the point where he's just starting to ignore the question because you know what? There is very little that you can do to actually go into full rebuild. Now this team is certainly trying to build for the future right now. I mean, we see players like Ryan Donato, Jordan Greenway, Jewel Erickson, Kevin Fiala, all in positions to, uh, contribute to this team and they're still developing as younger players. So there is still some building going on. And I know what you're talking about. You're talking about getting rid of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. And ultimately, yeah, that might be a full rebuild. If you can get rid of those players at the same time, how much can you actually rebuild when you still got their money counting against your cap? If they're playing for or retired for a different team, like, the wild need them to play cap recapture is a real thing unless they can figure out some sort of thing. in the next CBA that stops penalizing uh, teams for this kind of garbage uh, that happened, uh, you know, prior to the current CBA, like, look, you have to just deal with it. You can't, you have to kind of play out the string. Like there's no way to really go into a full rebuild. And uh, it's just one of those things like Kirill Kaprasov might be a legit, stud and the wild certainly need more players like that. And Matt Boldy just got off to goal Schneid too, with another goal and assist in a six to three game. And hopefully he can be a, a, a nice solid uh, contributor, potentially growing into that. Now certainly needs to be more. They certainly need to draft well in the next coming years, but really like there's really not much more that they can really do at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at, the Minnesota Wilds draft uh, picks for the next few years, right? Mm-hmm. And here's something absolutely wild to, to anybody who's followed this team for the last several years. Over the next three years, they have all but one of their draft picks. That's a good way to rebuild. The only one of those picks, those future picks that they've traded off the team so far, is the third round pick in 2020, which they used to acquire the third round pick to draft Adam Beckman last year. And with how he's doing in the WHL, you know what? That's a pick well worth spent, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to have a first rounder and a second rounder. And with how they're playing, if they're a bottom 10 team, that's going to be two top 40 picks. And and that's probably going to be the, the first time they've had two top 40 picks probably since 2011 where they, uh, where they, when they acquired one in the Brent Burns deal to go yeah. with uh, the Jonas Brodin pick. So we're seeing a team that 
if they do decide to sell their assets, and like we said earlier, right, it's not Parise, it's not Sudo that's going to get you something. It's maybe Jason Zucker. It's maybe uh, it's maybe a young player. It's maybe Jonas Brodeen. It's maybe even Matt Dumba if you want to get a first-round pick plus. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's probably going to be those players that are going to be more painful to part with. Uh, but if they do decide to sell on those players, they can acquire a nice little bit of draft capital knowing that they, for the first time in so many years, have draft picks and draft capital that they can use and rebuild that farm system. So they are well positioned to do that. They just haven't yet, and there's still plenty of season until the trade deadline, so we don't know what their strategy is going to look like. It might be this year. And ultimately, like, rebuilding takes time. And does. just just because they haven't traded a player this year yet, or at least raised the white flag, like, look, they're still in that process. Like, just because it's not necessarily being demonstrated on the daily with a new player, like, they're in a rebuild process right now. They're still trying to build for the future. And, and just because it's not in the news every day, and the, the team is still looking at trying to make the postseason. That's what you kind of want them to do. I mean, certainly you don't want them to make the postseason if you're rebuilding, but you want players playing well because ultimately they are the ones that bring back decent uh, assets when you make a trade. And there's no rush to trade any of these guys either. No, if you no, you want to deal from a from a position of strength. Any of the young players, uh, Fiala, Donato, Erickson, Greenway, Cunning, all those guys are under team control for, for multiple more years. Uh, you have Marcus Foligno, Jonas Brodeen. They're under contract through next year. So if you want to trade them at the draft, for example, instead of at the deadline, you can do that. You can do you know, both Dumba and Zucker are under contract for another three years after this. There is no rush for them to trade these guys right now all right and i is this our final question coming up i think it just might be the saltiest gramlin asks now with the vikings exit and given everything we've seen with men's sports programs in the twin cities who has the most promise over the next couple years for success leaving women's sports out because they're the only truly good teams we have yeah speaking of women's teams like the Minnesota Whitecaps just thoroughly dominated the uh, the Buffalo Buttes, and uh, it's pretty crazy how good that team is. Uh, and they're you, can, you can say one thing about Minnesota hockey, and that is we own Buffalo. <laughs> but they've also owned the league pretty well too. I mean they they um, they are reigning Isabel Cup champions, and so big shout out to the Caps or the Whitecaps for really. Just being that uh, that really solid, solid team, that that winning team in defending their championship too. Um, as for this question, for the the real promise, like I was originally going to say, like yeah, the Twins got the most promise, but they went out and had just, and I'm going to call it right now, it was a bad off season. Had had they gotten any of their the top pitcher, pitchers out there? they probably would have been the ones to to say like, yeah, they have the most promise. They'll, they still have a really good team, I think. I don't know if they're going to necessarily hit as many home runs as they did, but I still think that they have some good, solid pop at their bats. Pitching is still a question. For the Vikings, I mean, they were 
decent, but not super great. There wasn't like Super Bowl greatness coming out of there. And, uh, you know, the Timberwolves are still a long ways away. I mean, they're, they might be on the brink of trading uh, uh, the big cat out of Minnesota as well. So is it really the wild that are the next on that list? Yeah, I no, no, it can't be right. I don't think so. What I would do right now is I would probably go twins. I think they're still really well set up. Even if, uh, even if their off season was disappointing in terms of not being able to bring in a big fish. Uh, then I would say the Vikings, I, 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 they're pretty much just an offensive line away from doing some real damage, right? Uh, yeah. Offensive line needs to be tweaked for sure. Uh, but they got to figure out ways to improve the defense too, because uh, as we saw that they certainly, uh, have some bend and breaking to them as well. I still think they have a really solid nucleus of talent and yeah. So I would say, I would say the Vikings are second, man. I'd love to say the wolves cause they do have cat, but you, you, you have to worry about what happens after next year. Like if they don't win, unless they're able to like have a stroke of luck where they win the draft lottery, which I mean, <laughs> it's the wolves yeah. or bring in D'Angelo Russell to team up with Carl Anthony towns, which is something that uh, has been kind of rumored as something that Carl uh, Anthony towns wants to do. So if mm-hmm. they manage to do that in Minnesota, then I would say that, uh, that, yeah, that's something to, that's something to look for. But in the meantime, Ooh, I'm not liking their chances, especially if they aren't able to uh, retain Carl Anthony Towns for more than a year or two. Right. The Wilder are probably third or fourth, and that's kind of depressing. But, you know, we talked about lottery luck, right? Like, things can change in a hurry. Maybe Kavrizov comes in. He's a stud. Maybe maybe the Wild are able to win the lottery. Get Lafreniere. That would be interesting. I don't know. You know who probably has the most promise? Is Gopher football. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, uh, Gopher basketball came up with a big win today too. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna make the big dance this year, but but they did have a big win. All right, I think that wraps things up, right? Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Lockdown Wild. Uh, Tony, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ohio Tony. You can also find my work at the Athletic Minnesota. All right, and you can find my work at zonecoverage.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter at JoeBoo15. If you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode, because we are a daily podcast. And uh, by hitting subscribe, it will send it to you on the daily, and you don't have to do any work. Pretty awesome. You can also leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. Uh, Apple Podcasts, I know, is probably the easiest one to get to, but uh, there's certainly other podcast services out there, and we appreciate any and all ratings and your reviews. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at Lockdown Wild. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your team every day.